Hey guys, welcome back to Sarah Says, the weekly podcast with me, Sarah, CEO and Chief Scrunching Enthusiast over at Sockman Studios, talking about whatever it is that's on my mind. This week is not your regular Sarah Says podcast because we're going heavy again. I want to talk about again Sarah Everard, the case out of London, because that just came to, well, the first conclusion of it, um, because I feel like that will still be echoing on as we um, get into it. But I also want to sort of link it over to the ongoing Gabby Petito case and reference in some Britney Spears stuff because she's been in the news this week. Maybe throw in some Simone Biles and just USA Gymnastics in general because I it has never been made so abundantly clear at least to me, until this year, 2021, in 2021, that the world just doesn't give a shit about women. I, it, it fills me with this rage that I didn't even know that I had until this year. Because, and I don't know what fills me with more rage, just just that overall statement, or if it's the fact that I'm making this statement, and it's 2021. So this is a trigger warning that we will be talking about uh, the Sarah Everard case, USA Gymnastics, pertaining to uh, sexual abuse, sexual assault, kidnapping, um, rape and murder, In 2021, everyone, in 2021. Um, so that is your trigger warning for it. But let's let's discuss so that maybe I can get some of the rage out in order to sleep at night. Although I just feel like when I let go of rage about this, it ju- just more comes in because there's like something else that piles onto it. But and I feel like if you're a woman and you're up keeping up with any of this, you're going to be like, yeah, yeah, same, same. Also, before we really dig into this podcast, I do also want to say that there will be just a little bit of cussing this time around because it's just, it, it just really heats me up. So that's just your warning. Although I had a feeling if you're going to listen to this one, you weren't going to have any small ears around you anyway, because this is not the podcast for them this week. So to start this podcast off, I want to talk about the Sarah Everard case. I did a whole podcast back in March about this after they had identified her body because I had heard the story when she was missing uh, because I have friends that live in the UK, Um, but it was after her body was identified that I actually read the story at that time. And it rocked me to my core. It, it it shook me up at the time because that was the first time that I have ever been able to put myself in, in to a hashtag use. Um, there's a photo that was uh, Getty Images or something that I just shared the other day after the um, 
attacker, Wayne Cousins, was sentenced with hashtag I am Sarah. And back in March, I had originally detailed how odd that felt for me, seeing my name as a hashtag. And more than that, how I could have been Sarah. And, you know, she was a 33-year-old marketing manager living in London with a boyfriend. And at the time, I was still 32. Now I am 33, single, nanny, run my own shop. So, you know, we're not the same person, but she's a Sarah with an H. And I know that at least once in her life, she said the sentence with an H, spelled the right way, ha ha ha, because it's a thing that we do. There was a BuzzFeed article uh, detailing all things that all Sarahs know to be true. And one of them said, uh, the three most used words in your life will be with an H followed by spelled the right way. So in that way, I felt like I knew her. And and then just the other similarities that she was 33 and, and I was about to turn 33. And how in March, when when they found her body and we didn't know the details surrounding it. All of all the women around the world that had heard this story, all we could say was, but she did everything that we were taught to do. Like, okay, she was walking home alone. So, you know, we're, we as women are just taught as young girls, don't go out alone at night by yourself. But she had been on the phone with her boyfriend pretty much right up to the point that she was kidnapped just beforehand. She was wearing bright colored clothes. She actually took a longer route because it was more well lit and there were more people around. She had her hair down and she actually had a hat on and her hood up. So because we're, we are taught like if you want to run by yourself, don't wear your hair in a ponytail because men, you know, they can just come up and grab you by the ponytail and incapacitate you basically. Uh, from there, you know, grab you. So she had done all of the things that were taught and somehow that still wasn't enough. And even though we know as women that it's not enough, we know that we, you just, you still have this, this thought where you're like, even when you do the things that we're taught to do, it, all of them, it's, it's still not enough. And how infuriating it is that out of all of the things that we can do in the world in 2021 and how there are women in positions of power, the hell, the head of the police department, the head of the Metropolitan Police Department in the UK is a woman. Her name is Cressida Dick. She is a woman. We, the UK has had female prime ministers. The, the vice president of the United States now is a woman. They're the prime minister of New Zealand is a woman. Uh, Germany just now they have a new prime minister. They just had an election. But before that was Angela Merkel. And she's a woman like here we are. Running countries, running the police department. Being in the Supreme Court in America, holding positions of power in Parliament and in Congress and so on and so forth. All of these things. But we can't 
walk home alone at night and reasonably think that we're going to make it home. And that's so infuriating. It's just, it, it blows my mind. And I would say it leaves me speechless, but I'm not speechless about it. I think I have so many thoughts that I can't, and they're all shouting at me in my head at one time that I can't put just one to pick out of. So I'm speechless because I'm trying to to pick one phrase, one sentence to detail how aggravating it is. But I woke up Friday, October 1st, looked at my phone and um, had seen a tweet about the facts of the case. And so I Googled it and uh, Wayne Cousins has now been sentenced to life with no parole, which I guess is uh, in the UK, that is their top um, sentence uh, with no chance of parole. And that is handed out very rarely. I guess uh, you can get life with parole, but then there's life with no parole because of the severity of what he did. So in March, when we did not know what had happened other than that she had been kidnapped, it was said that her body was ID'd by her dental records. So I, at that point, knew that however they had found her body, it wasn't a whole body at the, or in an intact body. So I, I, I knew that. I didn't know how, but I knew that that something had happened. So I had said in the podcast that she was abducted, probably bad things happened, and then she was found um, 50 meters uh, from where she had been taken. Not 50 meters, um, 50 miles, 50 kilometers. Um, I'm, I'm trying to detail I between the metric system and um, and U.S. system. Everyone else uses metric, I know. Um, what I am, I'm going to say how she, I've already cried once trying to do this. I'm just going to cry. So that's just a given. I'm going to say it out loud because I think it is important. To have that raw emotion to help fuel change because it's 2021. And that just is what sends me into a fury the most is that it's 2021. Um, so at 9.30 at night, they actually have on camera because a car had passed by. And I don't know how they had it from a car, but maybe another police car. Uh, so there was video footage of um, Wayne Cousins stopping Sarah on her walk back. He was in his police uniform, showed her his badge, and arrested her under false pretenses for breaking COVID protocols. She went with him. The coroner estimates that she died around 2.30 in the morning. So between 9.30 and 2.30, she was kidnapped. 
raped, strangled with his police belt, and then he set her body on fire. I sat in my bed reading this across an ocean. First thing I see when I wake up, crying. For her, for her family, for all of us, for her final hours, I I cannot even begin to imagine the horror that she must have felt and had to go through only to find out since that he in 2016 had been it had exposed himself and so there had been uh, no investigation no true investigation into that and two days before uh, he murdered Sarah he had exposed himself again at in a Burger King and uh, there is now another investigation going on that five serving officers and one former officer shared grossly offensive material with cousins on a WhatsApp group in 2019. And there is another investigation separate to that open to allegations of an officer taking part in search of Sarah sharing inappropriate graphic depiction of violence against women in a WhatsApp group with colleagues at the time of her disappearance. A woman is the head of the police department. It is 2021. A woman is the head of the police department and yet we cannot even trust police officers to protect us and I know I know that if you are a person of color and you're listening to this you're already saying yeah we we never could I He stalked and paced the area that day, waiting to find a single female in order to carry this out. And he was able to do it because he still had a badge and he still had handcuffs and he still had the use of a police car, despite the fact that days prior... There was an incident with him exposing himself. And there had been an incident in 2016 of him exposing himself while he was a police officer. And 
but they didn't follow through. Oh, and he was also still being paid up until July of this year. Even though this happened in March, he was arrested in March. He was still being paid up until July before, until he pled, pled guilty. And the only reason why he pleaded guilty was in hopes that he wouldn't get a life sentence with no parole because he feels extreme remorse and, and just abject loathing of himself now, don't you know? It leaves me speechless. Like, is there a small justice that he is locked up for the rest of his miserable life? Yes. There is a small justice in that. Is there maybe a justice that in this, they have found this WhatsApp group with other, other serving police officers? Yes, if, if only if they are fired and investigated, if, if anything comes of that. But there is no justice in her death because it was senseless and it was just unnecessary and it was just brutal and horrific and I I don't want to say unspeakable because if we don't talk about it, if we don't make people aware of it, there really will never be change. So Justin Baldoni wrote this book earlier this year, published it finally, called Man Enough. I detail it in, I believe, the May wrap-up podcast because I just wanted to shout this book from the rooftops. I have, this is really not my genre of kind of reading stuff, but it feels so good to be seen and heard and understood by a man who is doing the work and basically calling for other men to do the work. And it's so incredibly sexy. I'm not going to lie. So I never watched Jane the Virgin. Um, but I knew, I know the preface of it. And I know he plays Raphael. Um, but after the Sarah Everard uh, case, after that had really taken off, he had posted a TikTok. And this is how it all came to be in the first place that I even knew about this book. Because he was calling out the men that were on there saying, oh, it's not all men. It's not all men. He's like, you're right. It's not all men, but it's too many women. Like, just listen to the women and what they're saying. And you're right. It's not all men, but it's too many women. And I said, I had, I think, stitched it. And I said, I'm going to take it one step further. It's not all men, it's too many women, but it's not just too many women, it's all women. We have all had to go through this on a daily basis. So this book comes out, I got it the day it came out, I could not wait to read it. In the preface, and I like, I don't even read prefaces, I want to highlight a few key things that he said that just left me breathless. I remember reading it and just like clutching my chest at night and all I wanted to do was open my window, climb out onto the roof and just shout at midnight into the, just like read this book. You have to read this book. This book is amazing. Like please do the work because what I said at the end of the Sarah Everard podcast was it is time for men to do the work. Like we as women cannot do anymore. We, we have done 
our work. We need the men to do the work now. And then this, then Justin comes about and then this book comes about. I'm like, yes, a man doing the work and calling for men to do the work. So he says in the preface, I have to try for our community, our culture, our world. There are serious issues that men are facing that frankly just aren't talked about enough from addictions like opioids, porn, and alcohol to depression and suicide. And there are also serious issues that men at much higher rates than women are causing from violence to sexual assault and rape. I uh, like, I was like, thank you, Justin. Thank you. So chapter one, he's discussing this TED talk, like what launched everything. He was doing this TED talk and, um, He's also talking about how this experience of him trying to be manly because people were calling him a pussy for not jumping off, like, a bridge because he's, and he's afraid of heights, um, and how that affected him as a teenager. And so he says, the road between my head and my heart wasn't simply riddled with speed bumps and short detours around a roadblock here and there. The road dead ended at a steep cliffside and deep in the abyss below was my heart. Let me be clear that the damage this causes women is inexcusable. The messages that this behavior sends to women is reprehensible. From calling boys girls or pussies as an insult to the wage gap to rape culture, which many men don't believe exists, and domestic violence, we live in a culture that not only slights men for being what we have dubbed as feminine, but also puts down women physically and emotionally in the process. This is not a liberal or conservative opinion. This is what is actually happening. The work to undo and repair this damage is monumental. At first, I thought that this work, the work of repair and equality, was where I should start if I wanted to be helpful. I thought I needed to dive in and research and educate myself on women's rights and connect with leaders and organizations to help advocate for systematic change for women. But the deeper I dug, the more I realized that this form of activism would be in vain, would lack authenticity, and would ultimately prove to be futile if I was not also doing the work of connecting with myself, being aware of and advocating for my emotions and changing my behavior, not just talking about it, but actually taking the journey from my head to my heart. In other words, I mean, guys, write this on my motherfucking tombstone. I don't believe women need another man jumping on the woke bandwagon, wearing a feminist t-shirt and tweeting and speaking out about social issues who isn't willing to start by doing the hard work of introspection and self-reflection. I believe the world needs men to show up, not in big ways, but in hundreds and thousands of little ways, ways that don't produce likes on Instagram or create social clout, but instead create a better, more equitable, more just world. The work doesn't begin with an audience. It starts in the mirror with an audience of one. I mean, I, it just, <laughs> that, I, I couldn't read, I, I had to stop after, at that point of reading at that page because I was like, I, I don't know that I'll ever read anything better in my entire life. Like that might be the greatest thing that I ever read in my entire life. So in a following chapter, he talks about strong enough and he details how men have to feel strong. They have to feel powerful. They have to feel that they can protect their families. And so he goes to talk to this female doctor, Dr. Bryson, a PhD doctor. And this is again, um, 
I mean, I put the trigger warning at the beginning, but she details her own um, assault um, in this passage. And this just, again, just blew my mind because I'm like, uh, finally a man that gets it. So it says, Dr. Bryson has unique perspective on what it means to need protection from a man. One morning while on a walk in a neighborhood, she had passed through many times before. She was followed by a neighbor, raped, beaten with a rock, and then left for dead near a creek. I mean, very, very somewhat similar to Sarah Everard in a way. Her road to recovery was long and slow, and to this day, she deals with the physical and emotional effects of her attack. Bryson released a book titled Aftermath, Violence and the Remaking of Self, to educate and help other survivors to recover both emotionally and physically from their abuse. After Dr. Bryson told me her devastating story, I didn't know what to say. So many things were running through my mind, yet all I could do was apologize to her on behalf of men. As I've said before, I've spent my life longing to be accepted by my own gender, yet at that moment I felt disgusted and betrayed by it. As I apologized, I couldn't help the feeling bubbling up inside of me that I wished I could have been there as a man to protect her. I imagined catching this man mid-act and beating him to a pulp. I imagined being the hero who could save her from the last 25 years of physical and emotional duress, of night terrors, and the fear of just existing in the world as a woman. My body tensed up, and I noticed I was clenching my fist, yet my demeanor stayed relatively calm and collected. I apologize for the fact that she, as a woman, couldn't even go on a morning walk without this happening. A feeling that far too many women have every single day. Oh, guys. <laughs> so... Later in the conversation, when I told Dr. Bryson about my desire to be able to protect my wife from potential attacks like the one she faced, she took a breath, looked at me like she could see through me, and then powerfully replied, I'm a mother. I get the protective instinct. But women shouldn't need to be protected by their men from other men. It's connected to the view that women aren't seen as fully human fully worthy of respect, but rather potentially, potentially prey for some men, and then it becomes the job of other men to rush in and protect them. I don't want to be protected. I want to be left alone. I want to be able to walk down the street safely. If I didn't know what to say before, I definitely didn't know what to say after that. This rocked me. How, at 34 years old, had I never heard this? Then it hit me. My wanting to be big and strong, my protective instincts and anger and reaction to her story were just that, a reaction. What if our wanting and needing to be strong, to protect the women in our lives, is reaction to the fact that we haven't and aren't doing enough to prevent violence from happening to them in the first place? What if our physical strength is simply a band-aid on the bigger problem, a problem that exists within our culture and with masculinity as a whole? A problem that has brought me to writing this book in the first place. If we are trying to get bigger or stronger, if we are trying to learn self-defense and survival skills, if we are buying guns to protect our families from intruders, or buying pepper spray for the women and girls in our lives, or offering to walk them to their cars at night, then there's a pretty damn good chance that we are really late. The work to protect the women we love must begin with ourselves first and then with the men in our lives. Dr. Bryson was absolutely right. No woman should need to be protected by a man.
that is that is me actually speechless because it is everything it like it was so ironic to me that I had made this podcast about Sarah Everard in March and I was saying these things and then I open this book and I'm reading it and I'm like this is everything we've been saying this is everything that every woman in your life that you're meeting is saying but it's finally a man saying it it's a man saying it and a man understanding it and saying it for other men to understand and so finally in another chapter he says um he's talking about how he just kind of was talking over his wife all the time and how he didn't realize that he was doing this. So he says, recently I learned firsthand from some of my dearest friends that far too many women experience similar behavior in both their personal and professional relationships with men every day. He's talking specifically at this point about manspreading and mansplaining. He literally had to mansplain, mansplaining, for the men who don't understand mansplaining, and I was giggling about that. So he says, why do we need the women in our lives to get angry, aggressive, or explode just for us to notice their frustration? What's ironic about this is that it's this very reaction to not being heard in the first place that gets women labeled as emotional, aggressive, bitchy, or angry, and even more so when that reaction comes from a woman of color. Justin, you are doing the Lord's work. You're doing the Lord's work and you, sir, are getting a front row spot in heaven. That's all I can say. I just, he is a precious angel baby that must be protected at all costs. So to segue off of Justin Baldoni's book, um, I want to talk about one other book because, well, one other book author. Um... Evie Dunmore. And I had also talked about her, um, the second book, A Rogue of One's Own, in the original Sarah Everard podcast, because I have this, like, visceral reaction, visceral feeling. So Evie Dunmore writes historical romance books. I, I guess I should start off with that. And she has this great way of marrying historical romance with factual knowledge of the suffragist movement in the late 1800s in England. So reading these books, I'm going to read two passages that just, like, I know that they're written in present day, but it feels so genuine to thinking that that's exactly what women in the late 1800s were thinking, or even in the early 1800s, that I just have this picture of getting to heaven, running into any suffragist, they don't know what's going on on earth, and they say, what's it like down there now for women? Like, what, what was it like in 2021? You know, I'm from the late 1800s. I'm from the early 1800s. What's it like now for women? And you say, well, we got the vote. Uh, one, most countries, some countries women still cannot vote. Um, we can 
go drive our own cars. We can run our own households, be single parents uh, without necessarily being um, outcast for that. Um, we can run our own companies, uh, fly planes, um, run countries. We sit on the head of court systems. We sit in the bodies of government that make laws. We are firefighters, police officers, detectives, so on and so forth. We do all of these things. Um, however, we still cannot go out alone at night without fear of being attacked. We can't go to a bar, which you probably have to explain what a bar is to them. Um, but we can't go to a bar and put our drink down if we're alone without thought that it's going to get drugged. We can't, um, in the case of Gabby Petito, go allegedly, or uh, assuming as of right now, go on a trip with our fiance slash boyfriend, boyfriend slash fiance, uh, without fear of being murdered. Um, in the case of Britney Spears, we can't have a mental breakdown without our father, who is a bankrupt person, taking over and claiming we have dementia and being in charge of all of our funds. Like, we can't do those things. We still don't really have full control over our own bodies. We can do so many things. We can make the laws. We can interpret the laws. We can enforce the laws. But we can't do those things. We can't go to the grocery store and buy groceries and not also have to look around to make sure that no man is following us, especially if you have a child. Like, you cannot go to a grocery store or any store alone with a child and not constantly be vigilant because there are people that want to take your children and they see a, a single female and they're like, oh, okay, easy target, can't do that. Imagine how frustrating. Imagine how sad those women probably would be that they fought and did so much to try and give us equality. And we say like, well, the things that the overall arching things you were fighting for, the vote, more power, places to be in power, we have those. But we can't do the simplest, most basic thing without fear of being attacked. Because there are still men out there that see women simply as objects to overpower. Imagine that. So anyway, the first, there are two instances in Portrait of a Scotsman, which is her newest book, um, that just, it like just punches, punches me right in the solar plexus when I read it. Because I was like, I know, I know that this was written in 2020, so I get it. But it just I'm like, I just feel like that's exactly what those women were thinking back then. So in this book, Hattie is hastily married off to Lucian and then quickly realizes, like, you know what? He really can control my life now uh, because now I'm married to him and I have basically no rights now as a married woman. And, and Lucian's great. But uh, at the beginning, he ends up dragging Hattie off to Scotland with him because he's like, well, you were going to run away to France. Like, you can't do that because uh, you could be, you can't go to France by yourself. You could be kidnapped and raped and murdered and I can't let that happen. So when he says that, Hattie says, France, 
was a dream of mine. How perfectly safe the world would be for women to follow their dreams if it were not for men interfering at every turn, wouldn't it? You're like, yeah, that's still a thing. And I know it was written last year, published this year, but that is literally still a thing that happens. But I know that that's, I just know that that's what women were thinking back in the late 1800s. Like how perfectly safe it would be for us. Like imagine, just imagine. So then later, as they are traveling to Scotland, she is still seething. And she says, well, it says here, how infuriating, she thought, as the ferry carried train and passengers across the Firth, that for 30 years such masterful feats of engineering allowed people to move freely and quickly across vast distances and uninhabitable terrains. And yet, a woman must not go shopping or to a gallery by herself. It was too dangerous, they said, for her reputation, her virtue. But who did the endangering? Men. How convenient for men as a group that the misdeeds of a few elevated each one of them to the status of protector and rendered women dependent on them, so that in turn they could illegitimately drag them along to Scotland whenever they saw fit. Proof that progressiveness wasn't a matter of possibilities. Who and what was to be included in the progress was a matter of will. Man would probably circle the globe in a flight apparatus before women had power over themselves. And like in some ways, we still do not have that looking at you, Texas. So there's that from Portrait of a Scotsman. And then in the book previous to that, uh, A Rogue of One's Own with Lucy and uh, Lord Tristan Ballantyne, who he is my absolute favorite. I just love him. Um, and I didn't like fully love him until this section. And I was like, this is seared on my heart. Write it on my tombstone. Bury me with this passage because I read this in what turns out to be the day or the day before Sarah Everard went missing. And and then all of, and then everything happened. And I've come back to this passage so many times that at the time I put it on Instagram and on my Instagram stories and I tagged Evie in it and she had um, seen it and messaged me back and she said, you know, I've been thinking a lot about Sarah's case too and I just have this hope that sometimes it, it takes a century or two, but eventually the right thing happens, like the progress is made and the right thing happens. And I had quoted the, the portrait of a Scotsman quote, um, the other day about Sarah and it, cause I had titled it today. I woke up and I cried this morning. I woke up and I cried and Evie had commented on it and she said, I cried for Sarah today too. And it's just, I think she lives in Germany and, and, you know, she's this writer, but she writes, so well this feeling and 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 she's in Germany and I'm here in America and we just have that bond of of wanting to see this change wanting to do what we can to help it and so in this part it's towards the end Lucy has taken Tristan back to her house or he's shown up at her house and she's in the middle of all of this work. She's like, I really can't see you right now. I've got to get through all of this work. And it's just these big piles of mail. And he says, well, what are you doing? Let me help. And she says, well, okay. So we read these letters. It, they're from wives detailing abuse from their husbands. And then 
uh, we put them into these piles. So read it, figure out which pile it goes into and, and put it in. So he sits down and he's reading them. And he notices, first of all, that Lucy's like kind of speed reading through these and putting them into these piles. And he stops at a point of reading this letter. And it says here he stopped and his gaze bore into hers over the rim of the page. She inclined her head. Yes. You read such things every day, I presume. There was a disconcerting flicker in his eyes. I do. Yes. Since when? She had to think about it. They came pouring in around five years ago when my name had become established. We've been collecting and categorizing them for nearly two years now. We? The suffragist chapters across Britain. I consolidate and tally every fortnight, which is two weeks. Ah. He was pacing around the room, his hands clasped behind his back. How many? He then asked curtly. Letters, I mean. Presently, we have a count of 15,000. His laugh was harsh. And those are just the ones who write to you? I expect there are many more who never speak, she acknowledged. Indeed. He was contemplating her with an alertness as though he had never really seen her before. And it hasn't occurred to you yet to shoot the next man you meet on sight? Now he had her full attention. What a curious thing to say. How about setting fire to Parliament? You are angry, she said amazed. The letter shocked you. I knew my father was a dastardly husband. His gaze fell heavily upon the five boxes now filled to the brim. I had not realized all of them were. Not all of them, she said. It is a rather filtered selection. Contented wives do not write to us, though, of course, they would be no less trapped if their good fortune changed. He gave her a hard look. It is abominable, all of this. And this knot of tension just releases itself in Lucy's stomach because she realizes that she hadn't really included Tristan in any of her suffragist work because she was like, if he is not as enraged and is not as passionate about this as I am, I don't know that I could ever look at him the same way again. And so finally he says, they are all the same, aren't they? His sweeping gesture included the three bags worth of mail. I'm afraid so. And yet you sit there in your chair looking very calm. She drew back. I have not been calm in over 10 years, Tristan. His gaze narrowed. Several seconds ticked past in heavy silence. No, he finally said, I suppose you were not. God. He then goes off to claim his seat in the House of Lords of Parliament to help fight the good war. <laughs> so sweet. But again, it's just this moment where like where you're reading historical fiction, which which means spicy scenes, which means like Bridgerton-esque sort of thing. But you read this and it's just a punch to the solar plexus because you because you, you're taking out that fantasy aspect of it, the rose tinted glasses, the the Mr. Darcy would that's not necessarily uh, the same, but like you're taking off all of this, you're taking away the balls and and the fancy parties and the courting and everything, and you're looking at this is what women were fighting for. This is what women were up against in the late 1800s, and a lot of the things that they were fighting for somehow still in 2021 we are still facing in some ways and and you just you want to scream you just want to scream so moving on to the gabby petito case where it is i mean i know that there are going to be true crime documentaries and podcasts out the wazoo about it the one thing that i want to say about this the, like the part that just like when I saw it I just I had I I been doing this new thing where I just like flat palm like hit my forehead a couple of times because I'm like oh like what 
when the police footage came out of them being stopped by the police because of a fight and how they were thinking of actually arresting Gabby because because she had assaulted Brian Laundrie. Um, just set me on edge for multiple reasons. Because can, can women be abusers? Can men be abused by women? Yes, absolutely, 100%. And I don't want to take a single thing away from that statement or fact because that does happen. It is absolutely true. But it would, when you put it in this context, that it was two probably white male officers. I don't know, do we know the identities of the officers? But going up to a white man and being like, oh, you know, we got this report that she hit you, which, by the way, looking at her versus him, and again, it, they're much bigger men can be assaulted and so I I'm not saying that it could not be the case and he's just like oh yeah well yeah, yeah well no I'm fine and oh okay let me lift up my arm here like oh I have a little scratch yeah I have a little scratch on my neck I don't even know that I could see the scratches from the from the footage cam and then they go to Gabby and she is legitimately breaking down and they their first thought was that they were going to arrest Gabby. And, like, and, you know, that's their prerogative. That they could, what, that Brian could press charges or do this because yeah, there were witnesses that she had hit him. But they didn't have a single thought. Like, you know, it's a little weird that, she, that, like, he's totally fine, doesn't want to press charges of any kind, doesn't want to have anything to do with it, but she's over here saying, like, yes, you're right, I did it, and I'm sorry, and I just, I'm overwhelmed, and I have to, and she's legitimately a mess, and they didn't even contemplate the thought, like, huh, I don't know, something here doesn't seem right, because the second I watched that, the second any female watched that, we're all, like, That looks, looks like gaslighting to me. Looks like, if anything, something had happened beforehand, you know, and people don't catch that. People just catch the aftermath of her reacting. And, like, I do believe in innocent until proven guilty, although I think that there is human error and so people get it wrong because nothing will convince me that Casey Anthony was not guilty. Um, or I... Um, thinking of other cases. Uh, I would say O.J. Simpson, but I did actually just see a TikTok about uh, a theory that it was O.J.'s son that did it. And, and yeah, it was pretty convincing. Um, but yeah, like I think that humans do get it wrong. Um, but that's, I don't know, that's our system. Um but, I mean, is anything at this current moment in time going to convince me that it wasn't Brian that did it? No. No. I think even if something 
randomly came out and we, like there was evidence that it wasn't him, I think I would still be like, oh, it was probably him. Because it doesn't add up any other way. But I'm like, you know, I wish that the police had arrested her. I wish they had. I don't know. Because maybe then she'd still be alive. And then only to find out that there was another 911 call. And it was about them fighting and, like, Brian attacking Gabby. And I'm... I'm hitting my forehead again. Because I'm like, do you... Like, do you just not care about women? Like, just say that you don't give a shit about women. And then we can really do the work from there. Because I'm not saying that, I don't know, had it gone another way that she still wouldn't have ended up missing or whatever. But I'm like, they, they bullshitted around for over an hour with him and they're like oh huh, huh, well okay well let's do this oh well let me see your arm looks like you have a scratch on it well there's a girl breaking down and just nothing no no concern over i'm what did they just assume she was crying because she might get arrested which i mean yeah i guess that could be a thing um but i don't know i feel like you can tell the difference between actual remorseful crying and fake crying um it just eats me alive because then even after that like they didn't enter his family's house like the FBI literally didn't go start seizing anything for and I'm like well one they already had all of the time to really do whatever that they wanted inside the house I mean if there was anything but I'm like where the minute she was finally reported missing how were they not inside that house investigating because that was where she lived. Like, and he's not talking to you. So why wouldn't you get in a, like, why wouldn't you get a warrant to search the house? Because like, okay, well, if you're not going to talk to us, we want to look and see, like, what it looked like inside this house for how she was living beforehand. I just, it feels botched from the beginning. Uh, and I think his parents have helped him escape to whatever place. And I do think he's, pro I still think he's alive at this point in time. And it just, what it really comes down to is like, again, it just feels like the powers that be couldn't care less about women. So it just is, you know, going by the wayside. And then, you know, you see these tweets about how like, um, indigenous women and uh, women of color are going missing and you know and they're like okay keep that same energy for that and I'm like yeah I will if like I'm not even hearing about these cases so I can see where the privilege comes in and I'm and then it just sets me off on a whole other standard of <laughs> and, it, and it in that instance details back to like we can't even go to the police in this moment. Like, who who can we actually go to? Because, to reiterate Justin Baldoni, it's not all men, but it's too many women. Like, it's not all men, and I do not believe that all cops are bad. But, like, it's too many. One is too many. Two or too many. There are too many that it gets harder and harder for me to tell my nanny kids, 
well, if you are in trouble, like if you get lost, if we're out or something and you get lost, go to a police officer, go to, because I'm like, who can you trust anymore? Because what if that's one of the bad cops? What if that, what, how, how are you supposed to say these things and say it with confidence when it's things like this? And I mean, like, I'm sure those police officers in some ways are thinking like, okay, well, should we have done more at the time? Like, that's something that they're going to have to live with now. But watching that video footage of that and then just this overall handling of the case where from where it started, even though I understand that, like, even if there was stuff inside the house, he literally had how many ever days it was from coming back to them reporting her, you know, like, if there was something, I mean, did they, were they investigating the van from the beginning that he drove back that was her van? I, it just, like, just admit that you don't care about women and, and then, like, I don't know, let the women take care of it. That's, speaking of letting women control things, uh, Britney Spears, so she's also been in the news this week because her father, Jamie Spears, is now no longer the head of the conservatorship that she's been under since 2008. So I had to just look this up because I'm like, oh, well now, does that mean that there's still a conservatorship going on? There is. However, she is, or he is no longer in control of it. And the only reason that they're doing this is because if they just ended it, because of course, Jamie's like, oh, well, we should just end the whole thing now, now that she's super opposed to it. Like, you little, you already knew that your daughter didn't want this for a long time, because now we're seeing the court records, okay? Okay? We're all a part of it now, okay? Uh, but her attorney is like, uh, no, we're not just ending this here and now because if we do, then he doesn't have to turn anything over and we want everything. I didn't do that right, but. And I hope Brittany takes him to the cleaners, although I'm not entirely sure where he's put the money. Um, so I watched the Netflix documentary last week and, you know, then there were all these articles about how icky the Netflix documentary was or how problematic it was. Uh, because it had interviewed Sam Lufty and Adnan Glebe, I think, the photographer dude. And I, like, I didn't know his name before that, but, um, I'm like, oh, okay, I remember seeing that guy around. Um, and, like, some of her private text messages with him at, like, he supplied them, and I was kind of like, I know, I don't know, like, I mean, I know you, well, you're think, you're, I hope you're doing this in Brittany's best interest, but, like, feels like maybe she like did I don't know if she gave her consent to giving those I don't know um but anyway I have thoughts about all of this because as a 33 year old I remember where I was when hit me baby one more time came out I was in fifth grade uh I remember everyone talking about it chattering about it singing it in the lunchroom like, I remember walking to my seat to the lunchroom doing that, uh, hearing that. So, 
I, I've, you know, Brittany was a very influential person to my growing up experience. Um, I will admit that I've never been the biggest Britney Spears fan. I think she is an incredibly hard worker and I think she is extremely talented, um, for like the dancing, the choreography, all of that. Um, I've just never, like, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of her voice. Um, but like, oops, I did it again. Hit me baby one more time. Uh, dangerous work, all of the, like, yeah, the, the lucky, I know all of the big hits, um, and I do enjoy most of those. Um, but anyway, Slave for You, uh, well, Slave for You is never my favorite. Um, wish I could have had her body during that time. Um, like, we won't even get into the body dysmorphia that my generation also suffers from, uh, because of the things that they put those girls in, uh, back in the day. But at the same time, like, I am... Or so saying that, I am extremely happy that Brittany is finally getting her days in court and hopefully in order to take back her own life. Um, but do I still think that Brittany needs mental help? Yes, I do. Um, and I don't know if I was watching something or if I read something that really resonated with me earlier this summer about this whole situation. Couldn't they were like, she was having a mental breakdown in 2008. We should all be able to have a mental breakdown without having our lives taken away from us and dictated to us. And I was like, that is very true. I mean, I remember those days. I I remember Brittany shaving her head and being followed by the paparazzi and all of that. And there were sort of these calls the way she was driving away from them that it was going to be another Princess Diana. And... I mean, I remember waking up and finding out, first of all, that royal families were still a thing the day Princess Diana died. And later, I, I've i driven through that tunnel where she died and I've seen the spot where she died and it's creepy. Well, she was actually still alive at the time, but like, I've seen that and that's creepy. And so I remember all of that with Brittany and back then... You know, I wasn't, I wasn't rejoicing in it. I wasn't sitting here gleefully like, oh, ha, 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 look at her being crazy and all of this. Uh, I also wasn't like, well, that's wrong. They need to stop. They need to, you know, leave her alone. I was just really indifferent to the whole thing. I was just kind of like, I don't, you know, I don't really know what anything going on um, about it. I mean, I have the mug, like, if Britney Spears could survive this, like, you can survive today. Um, yeah, I'm... And now I look at that and, um, you know, like the bald Britney is like a very taboo thing to dress up as now. I'm like, yeah, because I mean, she was going through it. And it, we, Marilyn Monroe, Judy Garland, uh, Betty Davis, all that, like we, but most of all, we Marilyn Monroe, Britney Spears, but thank God she's still alive. Because I think about Britney Spears, and this, this is where it comes back to like with Evie Dunmore, with the historical romance stuff and in the like just all of this being like it's 2021 putting this into the perspective that it's 2021 and Britney Spears told a judge this summer I wanted to have more children and 
my father said no. I could not, under the conservatorship, I could not have children. Just, and then the judge at that point was like, well, I mean, that's not enough to take him off the conservatorship. Like, what the f What kind of simulation are we living in here? She was accused, well, not, I'd, maybe accused wasn't the right word, but when they started the conservatorship in 2008 at 27, they said she had dementia to put her under this conservatorship. They said she had dementia. She acted on How I Met Your Mother. She did the circus tour. She did a Las Vegas residency. And they have paraded this around for 13 years that she's got dementia. She made, I mean, this Netflix documentary for whatever fault it it did have, it was well over $100 million within so many years of this, well, probably close to like $200 million. I don't know. She's currently worth $60 million. And, you know, I know that, you know, gross isn't what isn't your net and all of that. But where's the money? Where is I just feel like that's a lot of money missing. And but like, well, every time, every time they wanted it, you know, every time she tried to contest it and they, well, just take it out of Brittany's money. I, oh, we need another Lord. We need another evaluation. Oh, just take that out of Brittany's money. It's just infuriates me that I'm that I'm also very much like she's a grown woman if she wants to give away all of her money I don't care that's she worked for it it's her money let her do what she wants with it if she's insane and she buys two circuses I don't care like if that's what she wants to spend her money on it's her money I don't see people over here telling Johnny Depp that he needs to go under conservatorship when he, like, is basically bankrupt. And don't get me started with the Amanda Heard thing because they did Johnny Depp so wrong. And and that is a case where it absolutely is true that women can be the abusers. And, it, like, so we need to end that kind of discussion that, like, men can't go through this. But at the same time, I... There wasn't anyone out here being like, well, Johnny Depp, we need to take control of his finances because he can't be in control of it. No, it's just because Britney Spears is a woman. So do that. We can't have kids because we need you working. Do that. And then the, Jamie, her father, has the absolute audacity now finally to be like, well, I think we should just dissolve the whole thing. Yeah, I bet you would like that, wouldn't you? Because because I didn't realize this until her her new lawyer that she finally was able to get after she tried for years, according to this Netflix documentary, um, with the paperwork, so I would tend to believe it, that she wanted a new lawyer. And her lawyer's like, yeah, I bet you would like that, wouldn't you? Because if we just dissolved it and you were already stepping down, then you don't have to show us anything and we want the paperwork. If I were Jamie, I would be sleeping with one eye open. He should be in jail anyone that helped him should be in jail. It just, it's like, it's just 
one after another after another after another where you would where all you can say is it's <laughs> it's 2021 it's 2021 and we still can't do this because we know what happened in old hollywood now we know that women were forced to get abortions we know they were forced to get married uh to save their reputations and identities we know that they were forced to take diet pills and i mean hell judy garland and stuff was like well we'd be on uppers for four or five days and then they'd give me a sleeping pill to sleep for a day and then we'd be at it like so as glamorous and as cool and as i mean like the sets and the props and the singing and the dancing and the actors and stuff like unmatched like if i could go back and meet bing crosby like if i could go back in time to the white christmas set or uh i'm i'm just pulling out another christmas one but christmas in connecticut um or like the esther williams movies and stuff like they are we will never have that again i mean ten commandments charlton heston and yule brenner like that insane the props the costumes all of it but we look at that and you're like oh okay but they treated women horribly then and then you're just <laughs> like well it's 2021 and britney spears was told she could not if she could not have more children even if she wanted to because she had to work for her own money that she was making for herself they weren't they weren't making any money uh and, you know, and then you take it back for a few years ago from the Me Too movement. And you're like, it's <laughs> how I just I take it back to showing up in heaven, like the Dane Cook analogy, like you're showing up at an airport arrivals gate, like, hey, what's going on? How are you? And it's, you know, the old Hollywood actresses that have passed away don't know what's going on. Like, oh, what's it like now in Hollywood? And you're going on, you're like, oh, well, that's still happening. And yeah, that it's like it's it's. I, 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 I would probably lie because I wouldn't want to see the disappointment in their eyes. And I know that sounds really dramatic and stuff. And, you know, like, I don't know how heaven works anyway, but I can't imagine. I can't imagine them going through all of this and thinking hopefully there's this glimmer of hope that it would change. And then only to find out that it's, we're, it's still happening to some extent, at least to some people. I blows my mind. Before I close this out, I will actually also touch on the uh, USA Gymnastics scandal because that the major impact happened in 2016 uh, with the Larry Nasser uh, in the Indianapolis Star. But Simone Biles is an absolute treasure and my heart absolutely broke for her in Tokyo this year because even before she ended up even saying it I had said she is doing this to keep it relevant going through Facebook during the Olympics was one of the most, I don't even know. I'm trying to find the right word that I want to use here. Uh, It was like wading through a sewer. 
It was wading through the depths of the worst kind of humanity. The comments that I was reading about Simone. It's something that I'll... I'll see some of those comments the rest of my life. The fury... Again, again, it's it's not that I'm speechless. It's that I have so many thoughts going on all at the same time that I can't, I, I can't just, like, I'm trying to, like, grab one and I can't grab one at a time because they're flying by so fast in my head. The amount of privileged white men that I called out during that time was astounding. I mean, I was honestly worried that I was going to either have a heart attack or a stroke or both or a brain aneurysm, like one of the three or all simultaneously at the same time. That was how fast my heart was beating at times and like how high my blood pressure must have been. I, for everyone, like, oh, she let America down. She let, I'm like, she absolutely did not let USA down. America let her down. First of all, first of all, in your comments, like all of these people in your comments, um, and second of all, in the whole process in the first place. So for her and Allie Raisman and Michaela Maroney and Maggie uh, Nichols to come um, to Congress a couple of weeks ago and sit down again, well, this was the first time for Simone, but have this conversation again with Congress. Again sends me into a blind rage because they have been asking, demanding, pleading since 2016 to have a full investigation. How is it 2021 and we still don't have an investigation into all of this? How do we not have an investigation to USAG bribing the FBI? The FBI accepting bribes. How? Michigan State failure. Uh, the state of Michigan failure. The state of Indiana failure. The USOC. The just how are there still people working there in all of those levels and they are not fired or facing retribution how was the FBI agent that was bribed and swept all of this under a rug for as long as he could how was he able to retire and receive a pension that is our money we, as American taxpayers, are paying his retirement. And that for over a year, between when the allegations were once again brought to light, because Rachel Denhollander had mentioned something years before that and before that it was someone else in the 90s he had a chance to abuse over 100 other 
girls. Where the hell is our justice in that? How do we trust anyone? That's a doctor. Now, now you're saying we can't trust doctors? You go to the head of USA Gymnastics and he says, oh, we're handling it in the FBI's hand. You can't trust him. You can't trust the FBI. They've had multiple hearings with Congress. And I don't necessarily exactly know what Congress can do exactly about it. But, like, there's still no investigation. There's still no real accountability. There are still people in positions of power that let this happen. And they just don't want to talk about it. But NBC Olympics, NBC couldn't have done a better job not discussing a single moment of it other than the one interview with Simone Biles with Hoda. I don't think any of them mentioned the Caroli name once as the former coaches where a lot of this abuse happened. Nastia Liukin, who is a commentator and, as we all know, had went to um, 2008 um, and had won the all-around in 2008, her father took over from the Corollis and then he stepped down. Are we And we're just not going to talk about that? And she's still employed? You're going to sit here and tell me that he didn't know about it? You're going to sit here and tell me that they weren't aware? Because Nastia never came out saying she was abused. Sean Johnson's never come out saying she was abused. And, you know, there are a lot of um, uh, uh, victims that, that don't choose to speak out. But I would hasten to guess that Nastia and her best friend Sean were not because of her father. But you're going to tell me he didn't know about it beforehand? He didn't catch a whiff of it at any point in time? And Nastia's just going to stay here making all of her money with NBC Olympics when the Olympics roll around for gymnastics coverage? Meanwhile, Allie Raisman is out here doing the work, meeting with Congress multiple times, trying to make change. Simone Biles stayed in gymnastics, which had betrayed her at the ultimate level to keep it in the mind's eye of gymnastics community. And then she gets to the Olympics, has to go alone. And I, you know, I get COVID protocols and stuff, but it also was uh, kind of unforgivable. And she goes, has to be there alone where the last time she had been at the Olympics, she was in the middle of abuse by this doctor who, it had been reported a year prior, so he should not have even been part of anything. At least, at the bare minimum. And then, I mean, I can't imagine what she was thinking. And then imagine being her parents. Halfway across the globe. Unable to comfort her. And then you have all these swamp creatures on Facebook. Oh, she let America down. She's such a disappointment. She's not a team player. I, 
It's like, just tell me you don't like women. Just tell me you hate women. And we'll just move on from there. Like, if you're just honest about it, we can pick up the pieces and go about our lives with this. But when you want to parade behind, well, she doesn't have American spirit. Where is the American spirit in covering up child sexual abuse? Where is the American spirit in FBI officers that will accept bribes to cover up child sexual abuse? We don't want to talk about that, though. We don't want to have that conversation. We just want to talk about how she was supposed to go there and win all these gold medals and then she didn't. And how she's a failure. And she's a letdown. I just... My faith in humanity was so incredibly low at that point in time. And I am so incredibly thankful that I have not had any experiences like that in my life. So that was not a triggering experience for me. I can't imagine being someone who has had an experience like that and then seeing people spew such hatred, vile things about someone that they don't know. And then knowing that it might be someone that you do know is saying these things about that. Just, it's 2021 and there is still such little justice overall for women and and no justice for children really at the end of the day. And it just makes me want to Hulk smash things all the time. All the time now. Like, it just opened... The Sarah Everard case... Everard, yeah, opened up this <laughs> unleashed fury that I didn't even know that I had until that moment in time. And now it's just, like, smacking me in the face every day about something else. And I'm, like, incandescent with rage. On that note, I mean, I very much feel like Lucy when Tristan says, and yet you sit there looking very calm. And she says, I have not been calm in over 10 years. It hasn't been 10 years for me. It hasn't even been a year. But I, I know that I'm already exhausted by the rage that I feel about this. And how on the outside, you know, I can go about my day. I can go about my day. And you know, I'm not like raging on the world. But then in the back of my mind, I'm just thinking about some of the, it's just like loops of certain things playing in my mind. And that just like quiet simmering rage. And it just like takes one thing for me to hear. And it's just right there back at the top again. In order to make this podcast, I re-listened to my original Sarah Everard podcast. And at the end of it, I said, I have this hope. And I hope it's not a pipe dream that in my lifetime, there will be a day where women are more respected because like, and you know, bad things happen to all people, all, all genders, races, um, creeds, religions, areas, all like geographical locations, everything. Bad, bad things happen to, to everyone. But there are just certain things like sexual assault and, 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 um, like kidnapping and stuff like that, where it's just, it's the disproportionately 
it just happening to women, men doing it to women, where I hope there comes a day in my lifetime where men put the effort into the work and they hold themselves accountable so that there is less of that. And like that seems so basic. It's like we are, I made a joke that the bar for men is in the Mariana Trench, which is the deepest point known to earth in the ocean. And so the bar is in the Mariana Trench. Like, and we can't, like, because everyone's like, the bar is on the floor. Like, the bar is in hell. The bar, like, the bar is so low and men still can't reach it. And, and, you know, I feel bad for the men that do get it, it seeing those comments. Because I'm sure that is a little demoralizing. But I know that those men also understand where our frustration lies. Because... It's not all men. Not all men are bad. And just because you are a man doesn't make you bad, right? And I believe that. But if you are not holding your male friends accountable, if you are, and because there was this example in the other podcast where this woman was w- pushing her son's stroller, going to pick up her, or like had picked her son up from school, and then there uh, was this man following her, like, trying to talk to her. And these construction worker men look up, see her, and she's like, hey, stay away from me. And they don't do anything. If you are not holding other men accountable, either that you know or that you see, then you are by proxy part of the problem. And I know that that can be hard for some, because then, you know, I, I have this friend and his mom is like, well, you know, you know, he's afraid to do stuff too, because he's like a shorter guy and everything. And I'm like, yeah, but who's he afraid of? He's afraid of men. Like the men that say that they're also afraid to go out at night, you know who they're afraid of? They're afraid of men. So like at some point we have to get to this point, like, it is okay for men to show emotions. It is okay for men to seek therapy. It is okay for men to express their feelings to other men. And I hope that in my lifetime, we can come to that point where we can see that and not say, oh, that's a girly man. Like, oh, like, oh, he's too feminine for me. I don't want a closed off repressed man. I want a man who can share his emotions and speak freely and hold his friends accountable and see something happening in a bar and say, hey, that's not okay. And those men are out there. And I know some of those men. And I love those men. And I tell those men all the time, you are doing it right. You are the MVP. Like, keep it up. So I hope there comes a day in my lifetime where we as women can show the appropriate um, response, the appropriate um, affirmation to those men and that the men put the work in and do the work 
and also hold the other men accountable. Because I honestly don't see another way around it at this point. Because not all cops are bad. I do not believe that all cops are bad. But if you are a cop and you know someone like Wayne Cousins and you aren't stopping him, you are a bad cop. There's no other way around that. You are a bad cop. If, um, I, I mean, I can't stop thinking about that WhatsApp group. I mean, what is, what was happening in that WhatsApp group with other police officers? Not doing anything to stop it. Making derogatory, I think about the FBI officer holding, uh, just, if you knew about that, you are bad. There are very few things that are black and white. That is black and white for me. Racism and, and things like that. The black and white, like just cut and run, done deal. So, you know, that's, that's where I am. I'm at this point where I need to keep the raw emotion of knowing what can happen to keep myself aware and keep myself vigilant, um, yet also educating the men in my life, praising them when they are actually stepping up doing the right thing, and just making it clear, like, we, we've done our job as women. Like, now it's time for men to do the work. Because it doesn't matter what we wear. It doesn't matter what time of day it is. It doesn't matter all this. Like, bad things still happen. And, but we as women, we internalize it and we say, oh, but nothing happened. Oh, but nothing happened. Like, yeah, yeah, like, I think I was followed, but nothing happened. Like, I'm still here and nothing happened. But we can't keep doing that. We have to hold the men accountable. And we have to tell the men, like, hey, and it's just a simple thing. Like, me talking to my boss... And it telling him, like, yeah, well, I have a fake number memorized. And he's like, oh, what? I'm like, yeah, I have a fake number memorized. If a guy won't leave me alone, I have a fake number that I can give. Because his mind was blown when he said, well, I, I read this quote, you know, that um, men fear rejection when it comes to dating and women fear being murdered. And I said, I mean, I just looked at him and I said, yeah. And he was like, I just... I'd never heard of that before. I'd never thought of that. And I mean, I literally, I looked at him and I was like, what? <laughs> like, because that just didn't occur to me. So it's, it's about having those conversations. It's about making this podcast, making another podcast about this. Um, because unfortunately it doesn't stop. There was another, um, killing in London last week of a woman. I think it was a domestic violence, uh, thing like blocks away from her uh, apartment. So it doesn't stop and it will continue until we raise our little boys up to be able to share their emotions and deal with them properly and talk things out and not be afraid of that. It's not going to stop until men are holding men accountable And it's not going to stop until especially the people in power, positions of power, be that a man or a woman, are holding each other accountable. Because we we can't 
we just, we can't, we can't keep doing it like this. We really can't. If you have made it this far into this podcast, it's time to go reward yourself with some chocolate or french fries or something or other. I'm about to eat a chocolate chip uh, bar, whatever. It's supposed to be like the kids' Z bars, but it's the Good and Gather brand. Uh, shout out to Sarah for telling me about that at Target. They are good. Um, you know, I will not apologize, though, for using my platform to talk about something like this because... I am honored to have this platform. You know, it's not a huge platform. It's tiny still. I would love for it to keep growing. But, um, you know, if you're not using your platform for good, even in small groups, then what's the point of having the platform? So um, until later this week, there will be a bonus podcast episode about my skincare routine. And I know that that is a complete 180 from um, this heavy topic we just talked about. Welcome to my life. I think I might have ADHD if I really, I don't know, I might. I mean, like, maybe, probably not, but I, I, maybe a touch of it. Anyway. Or something or other. Maybe it's just the seven in me. Um, but it had kind of blown up on Instagram a little bit uh, two weeks ago now. So if you are not following me on Instagram because I had shared from an ultra trip, I had taken photos and sent stuff out um, that people were then talking about a lot. And I thought, I'll do a uh, podcast episode about it too. But if you are not over on Instagram, you should follow me, Sockbun Studios. There will be an accompanying blog post with links to everything. Uh, so if you are not following the blog, you should at SockbunStudios.com. But until then, remember, despite all of this heaviness, there are no bad hair days. I will see you guys next time. <laughs>